Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. This is our pre-Christmas episode and also our um, almost final episode of the season as we'll have one more after this. Of course, like, What's that? Penultimate even. There you go. I was going to say, and of course, I can't do it without my partner in crime, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going? Well, uh, you'll be doing it with about two-thirds of Harley today because uh, my voice has been slowly uh, disappearing over the course of the last week. That's what you get for trying to yell at people that try to take your parking spots at the mall while you're Christmas shopping. Well, I think a lot of it comes from uh, yelling and moaning at the uh, Vikings offense on TV this past weekend. Yeah, that would do it too. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Because Harley's feeling under the weather, we are going to go into what we'll call our four-minute offense. So we're going to try and speed things along this week, a little less um, babble and just a little more content for you so we can get through this. We're going to go ahead and head into... We'll do our news, then we're going to, of course, jump into DFS, and then we'll do our top 10 running backs like we talked about. <coughs> so I say at this point, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The Jacksonville Jaguars fired Gus Bradley in a move that was not a surprise to anyone with a pulse. What was surprising is that the team decided to fire him immediately following their game, rather than wait till the end of the season. Team management gave the excuse that they wanted him to be able to spend the holidays with his family instead of worrying about the game plan for next week. Talk about a great holiday tale to share with your family. Hey kids, guess what? Dad's unemployed, but at least I get to spend some more time with you now. Cleveland coach Hugh Jackson came out after his team's loss and said that the Browns are not where they need to be at quarterback. It is absolutely absurd some of the sound bites coaches give these days. I mean, gee, Hugh, you, you mean you didn't plan to use six different quarterbacks and go 0-14? Uh, you know, maybe you should send out the bat signal for Johnny football. <laughs> Hunter Henry scored his seventh TD of the season this past weekend. This is two more than Antonio Gates has recorded this year. Apparently, Philip Rivers forgot about his preseason promise to get Gates the tight end scoring record. We asked the octogenarian Gates about the record after the game, and he said, don't worry, I'll get it one of these years. <laughs> Chris Boswell was a perfect six for six on field goals this past weekend. The six attempts were only two less than he had had total since week seven. What this proves is that kickers should have no role in fantasy football. Since I guarantee at least one team was knocked out of their fantasy championship bracket because Boswell decided to post 30% of his season-long field goals in one week. In quasi-related news, I will be playing for third place in one of my longest running leagues that happens to use kickers. 
No, I'm not bitter. Not at all. And finally, the Houston Texans benched quarterback Brock Osweiler in favor of Tom Savage midway through this past week's contest. Savage performed adequately after taking over, and he even helped DeAndre Hopkins produce a reasonable stat line. It has come to this, folks. Osweiler is so bad that Savage performing adequately is a step up. I'm sure that Houston is elated that they won't owe Osweiler anything more after this season. Oh, wait. Never mind. This has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, I heard some real quick. I know I said we have less babble, but heard somebody on Sirius XM today saying, well, look, here's how the Texans are going to have to look at this because Osweiler's got all that money guaranteed. I think it might have been Brady Quinn. Um, and basically he said they've got 19 million. Quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. They have 19 million accounted to Osweiler and then like, you know, what, five, 600,000 or something like that to Savage next year. So basically if you take the two, it's not a bad price to have invested in your quarterback position. This just happens to be that the guy making all the money is on the bench. And realistically, I mean, maybe we'll find that Osweiler is a capable backup quarterback. He's, well, yeah, he's good at carrying a clipboard and not finding <laughs> his helmet. So I don't know. That's, you know, people will say that the Denver Broncos were lucky or smart, but they were more lucky than anything that he didn't sign their tender that they had tried to get him to sign. So They wanted him. Yeah, they did. And who knows? Maybe, I don't know. It, whatever. Um, my fantasy season's kind of gone up in smoke the way that Osweiler's played this year. In that, remember I talked about that league I scored 300 plus points in and got bounced with one of my worst games of the year last week? Well, guess who scored 297 points this week? Yeah. Ouch. Me. Yeah. Me. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'd be playing for the championship. I, I did some digging. The league is almost, it's, I think it's in, in its ninth year, there's one team that does not have a losing record against any teams in the league. Guess who that is? Yep, this guy. How many times have I won the damn league? Once. So it is what it is. But that's why we have DFS. So let's just get to DFS since, you know, a lot of people aren't playing for championships <coughs> this week. Well, it's a great week for me on the DFS slates. I seem to be doing pretty good. And as long as nothing goes crazy tonight, I should be pocketing a fair amount of money this week. So... Let's start at the quarterback position. Yes. Uh, who are you going to pay up for? Well, I've got two guys, and I decide I can't give two. That's a cop-out. So I crossed out Drew Brees. Curse you, Drew Brees, scoring 30 <laughs> points against me this week. Um, I'm going with Tom Brady. It's at home. It's against a Jets team that's had trouble. Um, if there's a team I think that he likes to light up, it's the former Rex Ryan team of the New York Jets. So for pay up this week, I decided to say all of them. Brady at the Jets, Ryan at Carolina, Breeze at Tampa, Luck at Oakland, Rivers at Cleveland, Carr versus Indianapolis, Kirk Cousins at Chicago, Newton versus Atlanta, Winston at the Saints. Yeah. There isn't there's nothing to avoid there. Every single one of those is good matchups. There's one high priced player that I do not like at quarterback this week, and he's my avoid, and that's Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings really struggled against Luck last week. But they always play up to Green Bay, particularly when they go to Green Bay. Rodgers is still gimpy. He did not look like his, his full self this past week. Uh, I just don't think he's going to produce enough numbers to make him fantasy worthy when there's all those other great deals out there. You know, it's complete opposite of what it was last week. Remember, it was at last week. Everybody there was no was one last week. Um, 
But and while it's a good matchup or on paper it looks to be a good matchup, I'm going to avoid Kirk Cousins. I just don't trust the weather in Chicago to always cooperate, no matter what it says it'll be today. I'm always worried about what it'll be on game day. So I'm going to avoid Kirk because there's too many other good options out there. No problem there. Uh, I'm going to put as my value play Blake Bortles against Tennessee. Uh, the Gary Bradley chains have now been removed, so we get to see Bortles either sink or swim on his own. And six of the Titans' last nine opponents have thrown for more than 300 yards against them. Well, i got to be honest with you. I'm not going that deep for my value play. Since everybody seems to be a good play, I went with a guy that's actually probably one of the top six on the board as my value play. But I like Phillip Rivers against Cleveland. How can you not? Exactly. So that's why I look at the expected point total possibility and against his price tag and go, you know what, that's a value. That's, that's what I got. So let's move to running back. What do you got at running back? Well, I'm going to pay up for DeMarco Murray. In week eight, the Titan running backs combined to post 37 carries, 183 yards, and two touchdowns against Jacksonville. Jags have allowed five running back rushing touchdowns in the last four games. Now, certainly Derrick Henry is a vulture candidate uh, at the stripe, but I think Murray produces more than enough to make his price tag uh, valid. Well, the guy I'm going to pay up for is a $9,000 guy, and his name's not David Johnson. It's actually Sean McCoy playing at home. Rex knows that if he's going to make a serious run at the playoffs, he needs to win against Miami. The run defense is better than what I think people realize it is, but McCoy just is going to get fed. Everything that he can get fed, unless they get to the one-yard line, then they give to Gillisley. That was so lame last week when he gave up that one touchdown to Gillisley, and then, of course, he did get two touchdowns later, so... Kind of saved his fantasy day. I'm going to stay away from David Johnson, who you just mentioned there. Uh, his price tag's gone back down below 10K, which is reasonable for him. But Seattle's tied for the second fewest total touchdowns allowed to opposing running backs. Uh, Johnson had 150 plus yards against them earlier this year, but he didn't score. And he was actually very pedestrian against them in both of his meetings last year with Seattle. So Seattle might have a bit of a formula for stopping Johnson or at the very least keeping him out of the end zone. Well, and it's in Seattle, and he's actually my avoid too, and I felt dirty saying that, so I'm glad to hear that you agree with me. But at that price tag, I think you'll be hard-pressed to guarantee that he returns value. Um, Exactly. I won't be surprised to see that 100-yard yard from scrimmage streak end for him this week also. Well, you you chose to pick on the Browns with your quarterback. I'm choosing to pick on Browns with my running back here, my value play. Kenneth Farrow going up against Cleveland. Uh, it's San Diego's turn to to make hay with the Browns' run defense, which is horrible. You, you got you to gotta feel a little sad for Melvin Gordon, Gordon owners, who it sounds like he's not going to play this week. And if he did, if you had Melvin Gordon, you're probably just kicking yourself if you don't have Kenneth Farrow to start this week against them. Yeah. You know what? We didn't go over who our plays were this week before we started recording. Guess what? I'm with you on Farrow. Nothing wrong with that. It's always fun to pick on Cleveland. Yeah, unless I, I won't tell my wife you said that. Um, <laughs> let's move to wide receiver. What do you got at wide receiver? I guarantee we don't agree on wide receiver. Well, you know what? There's so many good high-priced players this week at wide receiver. I'm going to go a little bit underneath the top tier, though, save a little bit of money here, and play Julian Edelman uh, versus the Jets. For his last 10 games, Edelman has 111 targets. He has 67 targets over the last five games. That's ridiculous. That's that's beyond Keenan Allen territory there. Yeah, that's not a bad play. I did look at that one. I went a little bit higher price, though, and I went with T.Y. Hilton. 
I, I just I see Oakland winning this game, and Luck doesn't really have anybody else that he can rely on. And Hilton's a volume guy that, in years past, you were worried that he didn't get the volume because he was too big play like Deshaun Jackson. So, um, it, I know he can be hit or miss from the getting into the end zone, but I like him as a as an upside play this week. I, I do like T.Y. Hilton this week as well. Uh, I'm going to stay away from A.J. Green in his comeback game. Uh, you never like to play a guy coming off an injury. No. Uh, and even if he does play, how how fully healed will he be? But then again, Cincinnati has nothing to play for this week. So if I'm Cincinnati, why do you even let Green play this game? Let him get his 30-some yards he needs for 1,000 and get him out of there. That's why. Exactly. That, that's truly it. Um, my stay away has ties to your stay away at quarterback. I'm staying away from Jordy Nelson. He underperformed for me last week, so I can understand staying away from him this week. It's just at his price and with how Minnesota can play defense and everything, it's just too much risk for the dollars. He's going to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes, and that's not a good thing. The roads to nowhere will be closed for Jordy Nelson. Yep. Uh, We're watching uh, tonight the Carolina-Washington game, and that is my value play receiver, who I've been playing a lot lately, and that's Ted Ginn Jr. uh, facing Atlanta. Ginn has scored in three of his last four games coming into tonight. And he has the speed to get past a secondary that's been burned over the top several times this year. I'm with you on that. I love Ginn. I have him rostered in, in a couple leagues, and he's that boom-bust play. And you don't get a better boom-bust play than a team like Atlanta that they should be playing from behind against, too. So I like that play. But my value play comes with a asterisk next to it. It's going to be Terrell Pryor. But only if RG3 is not the starting quarterback. Not concerned about the finger tendon, huh? I'm not. I'm concerned about the quarterback. Well, the thing I look at with Rob, with Robert Griffin, though, is it seems like he's really been targeting Corey Coleman a lot in these first two games back. And if you go back to week one, he also targeted Corey Coleman a lot. And Pryor really has kind of been the forgotten man there over the last couple of games. I just don't. I think we see Hugh move away, and I think we, <coughs> we see McCown this week. And if that's the case, I think that – I think you see Pryor – get a little bit of action to help him in his UDFA quest after the season. Well, it's interesting. We talk about the uh, quarterback favorabilities. Uh, We saw it a lot in the Jets game last week where when Bryce Petty was in there, Robbie Anderson was the featured target guy. As soon as Fitzpatrick came back in after the injury, one ball was thrown to Anderson, but he threw about 12 targets to Brandon Marshall. And Petty didn't target Marshall hardly at all over the last couple weeks. So, Another thing to kind of watch and see who is starting at quarterback there because whichever one starts could affect the value of a mid-priced receiver worth you put in your lineup. Absolutely. If Marshall had that wonderful, what, double-digit target single-catch game line? Doesn't happen very often. But then again, we saw some of the passes that went as targets from Ryan Fitzpatrick that uh, the target was more likely the uh, yardage marker about two yards in front of him. Okay. So now before we move to tight end, I'm going to go first. Go for it. I'm going to give you my pay-up player, my stay-away <clears throat> player, and my value player is all the same. Are they all the same person? It is all the same person. Yes. <laughs> it is Antonio Gates. Um, that's not true. I wanted to make him all same, but I have, I have him as my pay-up play. But he could yeah. fall into the stay-away and the value play at the same time. Well, I'm going to pay up for Greg Olson. Uh, we're, again, we're watching him tonight. He's caught a few passes already. Ten times this season, Atlanta has allowed either 60 yards and or a touchdown to opposing tight ends. 
I'm not going to stay away from Greg Olson. I'm going to stay away from Jimmy Graham. Uh, Arizona has allowed the fewest yards, the third fewest receptions, and the fewest tight, tight end touchdowns all season. And because I thought that people wouldn't like me saying Gates, 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 the guy I wrote as my stay away was Jimmy Graham also. And for a value play this week, my value play is predicated on his health. That's Austin Hooper. They're facing Carolina, who we're seeing tonight here. Coming into tonight's game, Carolina had allowed a tight end touchdown in four straight games. Now, Hooper has a knee issue. He left last week's game late after scoring. So if he can't go, another deep, deep dive would be his replacement, uh, Levine Toilolololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololololol
Plus, there's the presence of uh, Michael Lisley right now. There's going to be the presence of Jonathan Williams next year. Uh, there's some potential vultures in the path of McCoy, plus the injuries. Number seven, my first real reach here, and that's Jordan Howard. Howard has been impact player from the moment he's gotten onto the field, playing with really no other weapons at all around him. Chicago is bound to improve the rest of their offense this offseason, either via the draft or via free agency. Cutler, assumedly, is gone. But, you know, Howard has been producing 100-yard combo lines with nobody's throwing the ball. Uh, at eight, I'm going with Lamar Miller. Uh, he was poised to be a top three or four running back this year. Didn't happen. Most of that was because of Brock Osweiler. Uh, obviously, if Osweiler doesn't perform next year, it's only going to hurt him. Plus, Miller was dinged up a little bit this year. I think he's fully healthy next year, and I think the offense as a whole will be improved. Uh, number nine, DeMarco Murray. He slid all the way out of my top four or five, mainly due to the presence of Derrick Henry. And what I'm concerned will be a continued work share going into next season. And number 10 was where it really got tough. I'm going to go with the other Murray, Latavius, who has beaten out the running back by committee uh, of DeAndre Washington and uh, Jalen Richard to be a double-digit touchdown performer, something that's very hard to find at the running back position. Okay, so go ahead and run those, run down those names again one more time for the listeners slowly, so they. Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, David Johnson, Jay Ajahi, Melvin Gordon, Lashawn McCoy, Jordan Howard, Lamar Miller, Demarco Murray, Latavius Murray. So, who just missed your cut? It was a very tight. List missing my cut. C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker showed nothing this year. Uh, Devontae Freeman, who's going to continue to split carries with Tevin Coleman. Uh, Jeremy Hill, who should be free of Giovanni Bernard. And both Carlos Hyde and Spencer Ware, who uh, one is a good running back on a bad team, and one is a mediocre running back on a great team. So then I have to ask, there's one name that you omitted, and it's I don't know if you have amnesia or you were just bit by him or you don't even have him that close to the fringe play, but what about Todd Gurley? <laughs> Combination of all of those things. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very concerned about that team. And if, if they improve the rest of the – I mean, they've got offensive weapons. They've yeah. actually got a pretty good defense. Gurley proved two years ago that he was a capable running back. But he has done nothing since basically week seven of his rookie season. Okay. And, I mean, again, it's not like there was no one else on that offense. You had Kenny Britt, you had Tavon Austin. Uh, Keenum was serviceable to start the year. Uh, Lance Kendricks is an okay tight end. We're, we're not talking about a team on their third-string quarterback right now. Jared Goff has looked okay. But even when Jared Goff has played well, Gurley still has looked like crap. Okay, fair enough. I just want to make sure you didn't forget about him. So the one guy that I I did kind of forget about who's that? And I'll throw in a, throw in like a late caveat here is Dion Lewis. Okay, who we'll have to wait and see. He he outplayed out touched uh, Legarrette yesterday. We'll see if that trend continues into the uh, playoffs here. I mean, you never know with Belichick what he's going to do, but obviously last season Belichick really liked Lewis and Blunt is is not a spring chicken. Right. He could very easily be theoretic-ish. 
Yes. So, all right. So you ready for my 10? Because I can tell you this. There are four guys that you have in your top 10 <clears throat> that aren't in my top 10. Um, oh, wow. But we are, we are in agreement that Bell is the top running back. And look, I know David Johnson. And I own him, so I know just how wonderful he's been. Bell, since he's returned, is having a season that rivals the absolute 160 plus combo yeah. yards per game. He he's he's got a season that rivals the best season ever by a running back, which was had by Priest Holmes, I believe. So I like him. You can't, I remember that season as a, as a Chiefs fan. But you can't you can't go wrong with either one of them. Quite honestly, um, I've got. DJ second. I don't have Zeke second. I've got DJ second because he does catch the ball, and I do consider when we make these rankings just in my head it's PPR, um, even though we didn't say that. Um, also, people are probably wondering, well, why not? Why nothing about any of the college guys coming in? We we're not giving any spots to any college guys because we don't know where they're going to wind up, and and where you wind up is a huge part of it because Zeke Elliott in Jacksonville would not be as good as Zeke <coughs> Elliott in Dallas. So. At number four, so that's Bell, DJ, Zeke for me. At number four, Todd Gurley. And I know that's going to be hard for people to swallow. As bad as he has been this year, he has scored 170.8 points. 2.14 points more per game, and he'd be in top 10 running back. I have to think that whoever the new coach that comes in is going to lean on him more. Is going to find a way to get him the ball in space and maybe use him a little bit more in the passing game. So when I factor in just how talented he is and that he only needed another 2.14 points, that's one catch for 10 yards, right? Yep. 20 yards running. I don't see how I could keep him out of my top 10. Four might be high, but that's based on the upside that he presents. At five, I've got Lamar Miller. I did at one point have Miller above Gurley. And that's because I believe the Texans' offensive line took some big hits at the beginning of the year. Quarterback did yes, him no favors. And I think they get that stuff fixed out. And as long as they get serviceable quarterback play next year, there's a lot more upside for, for Lamar Miller. Then at six is the guy that I had a hard time placing. I had a really, really hard time placing him because he has had a great year up until injury. But he also has some regression coming because I don't think that he can live up to his touchdowns. And that's Melvin Gordon. Um, so I've got him at six, but I don't love it. And this is where I go off the rails from you, and I've got some guys in here where people are probably going to say, who the hell, what's he, what's he smoking, what's he drinking, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at number seven, I've got Amir Abdullah. Guy's talented. If not for that injury, you see what – you see what Theo Riddick was able to do in the passing game. And Abdul is a more complete running back. And I think that we see him come in. And, and Theo's my only reason why I was a little hesitant to move him into my top 10. Uh, but every year, a couple guys come out of nowhere to make the top 10, right? Nobody saw Melvin yep. Gordon doing it. Nobody saw LeGarrette Blunt doing it. Nobody saw Jordan Howard doing it. So it's not like I'm crazy. Um, but that's I've got Amir Abdul that high. You had Howard one spot higher, I believe, than I did, but I have Howard at eight, so I like that call. And then at nine and ten, I've got two guys on teams right now. One is really bad, and the other just hasn't shown much offensively. Um, but I've got Carlos Hyde. Hyde is I don't mind that. He was literally my number 12 guy. Yeah, Hyde is currently number 16. He's got 182 points, 183 points. So that puts him, you know, you're about 15 to 16 points out of a top 10 spot. And his team has sucked. 
horribly. He's missed two games. Um, I don't think Chip's back next year, so I don't see anywhere but up that Hyde can go. So I don't see much risk with him, and he'll probably return value because I don't I don't think you have to get it get him with a top ten pick at the position. At number ten, I'm going out on a limb. Guy has shown very few flashes this year, but enough for me to think it's his job next year, and he does have top ten upside. Kenneth Dixon. I wanted to rank him, but uh, I mean, we wanted him to be a stud last week, and, uh, <laughs> and but he's still a rookie. Best so, laid plans of mice and men, right? Yep. And he, but he's still a rookie, and I know he got out touched by Terrence West this week. But trust me, after his first season and having an he's all off talent. season, and right, the talent's there. And I've watched him run. He runs hard, and you know, I I don't know if Steve Smith's going to come back next year, and I think that they're going to have an identity where they do try to play some smash mouth ball. He catches the ball, so. I think he's got top 10 upside. I know it's a, a slight reach to have him there, but you know, guys like DeMarco Murray um, just missed the cut, and that's because I do see Derrick Henry eating into his touches just enough or to add at least enough risk that I don't see the upside. LaShawn McCoy, all that stuff that you said, plus two things more. We're not sure if Rex is going to be back, <coughs> right? Yep. And guess what? He's at that 30-year-old mark. So he's right there. He's had more 100-yard-plus, two-plus touchdown games than any running back in the league this year. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a problem putting him in the top ten, but I think he's just on the outside looking in. And then the same with Latavius Murray. And, and just Jay Ajayi, I'm sorry, I said it earlier this year, I just can't get on I can't get on the train. I, I don't know why. I'm just not a believer. Call me crazy. Well, well I think it's interesting here is that uh... – we, we kind of proved an interesting factor in the fact that we do have so many differences after the top three. And that is that, whereas this year was kind of the trendy thing to do was to do the opposite of the opposite and draft running backs early. Now, going into this coming year, again, there's three running backs that you want to get with an early pick. Yep. But outside of that, it really is a dartboard. So if you don't get one of those top three running backs next year, don't draft a running back in the first round. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I guarantee you that you're going to see people going running back early and often because remember this year it was the cursed position and people chase things and you should never chase. You really shouldn't yep. chase, but they will. And, and that's just the way it is. Um, but even with as different as we are, six of our top eight are exactly the same. Yes. Uh, granted, three of those eight are, of course, the top same. So, but anyway. Um, hopefully it's an exercise that has helped people um, move forward as the season progresses for their keeper and dynasty leagues and stuff like that. And maybe we make them look at somebody just a tad differently. You know what I mean, Harley? To well, where... let me throw out a couple more names for people to think about for next year, too. Go ahead. Uh, Bilal Powell, if Forte is not re-signed. Rob Kelly, whom we're watching tonight. Yeah. And I heard news today that the Saints are considering – either letting go of or dealing Sean Payton. If that happens, Mark Ingram suddenly has value again. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. And it's, and that's where you have to gamble. That's all it is. It's, um, next week we will do our wide receivers and we'll try and throw tight ends in there if we can. Um, one of the things I want to give next week is a couple of the buy low candidates that I'm targeting. So something for you to think about, too. 
Sounds good. So until next week, I'm going to say, Mr. Schultz, have yourself a very Merry Christmas. Or do we record before Christmas next week? No, we're going to record the day after. The day after. You're right. So you will have had Santa visit you. Hopefully he will bring you everything that you want and deserve. Um, well, he brought me a new computer and a new Skype connection, so that's a good thing. Yeah, we had no problems tonight. And also, we're going to get done in less than 33 minutes if I hurry up here <laughs> at the close. Um, but that's what we'll do. I wish you a Merry Christmas. And to all of our listeners, the same. Have a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. And as always, make sure that you're checking out Harley on Twitter, at Nuclear Harley. You can check me out at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, rate and review us and subscribe to us on iTunes. And until next week, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>